welcome to the latest edition of the CopCat Podcast. Joining me to discuss a somewhat disappointing result for, for Liverpool last night, or I should say on, uh, on Wednesday night, um, are uh, yeah two, two well-known voices alongside uh, a new addition to the show. So first up, uh, I've got David Dunning in Belfast. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, I'm doing the best. Doing the best, Chief. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, I have to say. Uh, alongside him, we've got uh, all the way from Brazil, Dave, uh, Dave Karen tonight. How are you doing, Dave? I'm fine. A little gutted, to be honest with you. A little prepared to seven points, but I'm sure we'll get into it, Neil. Yeah, we definitely will. <laughs> There'll be no stone left on the turn, no doubt. And uh, making his Copcast debut tonight, we've got, uh, or in Berlin, we've got Genghis Gokery. How are you doing, Genghis? Nice to have you on. Beautiful night, bro. Um, yeah, I'm doing fine. Much better than last night, definitely. Um, so, yeah, can't really complain. Cool, cool. Good to know you've calmed down a bit. Nice one. Okay, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get straight into it. Um, obviously, uh, we're recording off the back of uh, Liverpool's 1-1 draw with Leicester City at Anfield on Wednesday night. Um, so, I'll just jump straight in with Dave. Dave Dunning, come to you first. What did you make of the game? Talking points, and yeah, what do you want to? What do you want to talk about? It was strange. It's. I was watching the game, and one nil, one nil is is really good, really early on. That's fine, but I've come to the realization watching this this season that one nil doesn't really. You think the early goal's great and get the early goal, but one nil doesn't really change a team like Leicester's approach any, because. Their game plan is to get something from the game, get anything from the game. And that means potentially trying to steal a goal somewhere along the way. And if we score one early, they still kind of have to try and go and score that goal. And they're still banking on kind of trying and scoring that goal with it probably in the back of their mind that they're likely to concede. So... It doesn't really change it. They didn't. They actually grew into the game after the first ten minutes because I thought, I thought the first ten minutes were great, even with the difficult conditions because it did. You know, the snow did really snow, slow the ball up, and we, we we couldn't move the ball quickly. And then I think our, our passing became a little bit more tentative after Leicester players started to snap into the maybe slightly loose balls um, because of the state of the pitch and. Uh, and once you were susceptible to a couple of counter-attacks, then you know, we, we started to be a little bit more cautious and a little bit less adventurous. But, you know, uh, early goals, great. Could have had another stupid, stupid, stupid free kick to concede. And, you know, typical Maguire at the back post to tuck it away. The only thing that surprised me was he did it with his foot, not with his head. And yeah, just a lot of a lot of players went missing, really, you know. So I suppose we'll get on to individual players, but quiet, quiet nights for people. Henderson did his best at right back. Um, I think I think probably as an attacking unit, you know, we we do really miss Trent. You know, um, it gives us something totally different. And I think what what that what that gave them was the ability to, you know. Henderson got a lot of space, but they allowed Henderson a lot of space and were able to double up on Robertson on the other side, who I think got in around the back once, maybe, um, and didn't even really have space to, 
to cross a ball from deep like he sometimes is able to, to swing that organ one into the back post that he wasn't even able to do so um, fair play to Leicester they they defended really well they 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 did what Puel you know has a habit of doing to us and he seems to have our number a little bit and you know they, I think they probably created the better chances so I think a, a draw is fair and you know as disappointing as it is we could be in worse positions yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, we we picked up a point, and you know, Leicester. It's a tough game, as you said. Puel's had our number a little bit, um, had the better of us. Although we, we won the last game, but I think the last season we we failed to beat his his um, failed to beat him three times, something like that, or he stopped us from scoring the the year he was manager of Southampton. Anyway, um, knocked us out of the the League Cup semi final as well. So uh, along alongside that, Leicester have been a, a tad of an annoying team in the last few years as well for us. So I mean, what what do you make of it, Genghis? One one, a fair result, uh, or is there anything? And is there anything else you you pick out? Dave mentions that we're missing Trent. I think that that's fair. Um, Robertson, the doubling up on him, and and it seemed to work. To be fair, he, he didn't have his best game, and it kind of shows that perhaps perhaps he got caught up a little bit in the emotion, the frustration. Um, Maybe the free kick a sign of that. Uh, what's your take? So, I mean, thinking about it now, today, with a more clear, fresh mind, I think it's a fair result. I mean, uh, comparing the stats, we had 10 shots, three of them on target. Uh, obviously, we get the early goal, uh, which was one of them. Um, so I think that's probably one of the fewest shots that we had, um, certainly um, while playing at Anfield. So, I mean... I don't think our attack was terrific. I think um, our front three, apart from the you know goal that Mane scores and uh, Firmino ha- had a few chances, um, but in general they were mainly quiet. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we can actually single out a single player to put the blame on for the whole performance. Because I mean, uh, for example, Allison, he uh, he had two blunders. I think he misplaced the pass once and then he was too late to kick the, uh, the other one. And I did realize um, in uh, previous games that, you know, he did, he does kind of take his time when they pass the ball back and he's going to kick it out or um, do a pass or something. He kind of tends to wait for the last minute. So I think he kind of has to um, kind of stop doing that a bit. Um, but I mean, considering all the situations, like for example, you know, I mean, the weather was obvious when uh, shortly before kickoff, when uh, I saw the uh, the ice on the pitch, I was like, "Woof, this game is going to be interesting." Um, and you could see the trail of the ball as it was rolling down, and uh, you know, we couldn't play our normal, typical, uh, quick game. You know, the, the pace uh, wasn't there precisely, and even Klopp himself, um, he said that you know, we usually uh, we're usually super quick, and that's the kind of game you need to have when playing against a team like Leicester, who are uh, not only, uh, you know, they can press really well at the right time uh, when they're on their game, and they also know how to keep their shape and sit back and, you know, defend the zones and everything. So, I mean, considering the weather and the toughness of the opponent, you know, Jamie Vardy was um, also there, and, you know, we all know how good a record he has against us. So while worrying about him... James Madison had a few chances. Um, obviously, um, as Dave mentioned, you know Trent was a big miss. We've had to um, had Hendo play there, and most of the players, you know, we've we've had the uh, mini crisis, if you like, of uh, players getting ill and injured, and 
you know, going to the warm weather, um, a bonding trip to Dubai, which I think is a good thing. But, you know, that's also been a point of debate. You know, do you want to go back and forth? And you saw two players got ill because of that. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, all things considered with um, the uh, lack of first team players, you know, uh, playing our um, captain at right back for the first time, conditions on the pitch, the referee decisions, all in all. And you also have to just say big up to Leicester because I think they did a fantastic job. Um, you know, they might not have had as many shots or anything um, as, as we did, but they certainly had the more clear cut chances. And on another day, if this was the Liverpool of maybe the first half um, of last year's season or the years before, we would have easily lost that game. So I'm not really complaining on the 1-1 draw at the end. But yeah, still there's um, uh, quite quite a lot of things that uh, we can improve on. Um, I miss having clean sheets now, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. So I think we need to uh, remember that habit of ours, which we had until recently. Um, so as long as we can uh, keep start keeping clean sheets in the next few games, I think um, that can uh, get us in the mood and kick on for the Bayern game and then Man United, uh, which is one of the toughest fixtures um, that that's remaining on our uh, fixture list. So I think you know once we start getting our uh, really important players back, you know um, Trent will. I think uh, James Pierce recently said that um, he's probably going to miss. The next game, so we should expect to have Milner back at right back. Uh, but I, I fully trust Milner to put in the right shift. And then um, hopefully Gomez will come back soon as well. Um, not much has been said about his uh, comeback date. But yeah, Fabinho, I think, is uh, nailed on to start the next game. And so we should be having more first teamers back. And I, I totally expect us to bounce back and just go on another uh, winning streak. Yeah, absolutely. Well, would be nice. Would be nice. And yeah, you're right. We were getting getting a little bit spoiled with the clean sheets. It would be becoming a, a habit. So it'd be nice to to uh, refine that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Dave Dave Karen Cengiz uh, makes a good point about the the chances that Leicester had. When you think about it, there's a, <coughs> there's the Madison header, isn't there? And then there's another one Maguire has in the second half. Well, they're actually all offside, but. They didn't give offside, and it would have counted. Firmino sort of intercepted, and Allison clears it off the line. Uh, there's the one where Damari get grazed through and hits a tame shot when Madison absolutely loses his shit that he doesn't doesn't square the ball to him. So there are, there are a few big chances that they have, and you know, looking at Leicester's record this season, there's no doubt that they they raised their game against against the big teams. I mean, it's plain to see. So, I mean, what, what's your take on the game? Are you disappointed? Have you come around a bit? Um, how do you see it? And anything else you want to bring up about it? Well, just just to agree on the points, and maybe just, just, just you know, I thought Allison was probably, I think that's the poorest game he's had for us since he's come, <coughs> um, quite honestly. Um, it's the poorest game. He, he just didn't look as his Shaky, didn't he? Yeah, he did, you know, he just didn't, normally he's confidence personified, and he didn't look that from minute one. Uh, now, and I say, you know, first of all, I thought Frogwell was a bit snowy and whatnot. He's from Rio Grande Sul, he's used to it. Um, you know, as Brazilians go, he lives in an area that would get a lot of snow at, uh, in the wintertime, so it's, it's not it's not uncommon for him, so we can rule that out. Um, as I say, he just looked out of sorts. And it was sort of pointed out by a couple of pundits this week that every time we go away for warm weather training, we come back with a little less spring in our step than we maybe should have. Um, and it takes a couple of games for us to see 
the benefit of it. Um, don't get me wrong, we do see the benefit of it, but it's not immediate. Um, and maybe it just shows you as well, you know, we, we had nine games or nine days without a game, and, and you know, there's a lot of people talking about City playing too many games at the minute. Maybe nine game, nine nine days without a game for us is maybe too long. Um, but what I really, really, really want to get my teeth into, and I'm sure you guys will agree with me, is uh, like the Fabinho substitution was fine, but the other two, I mean, what in the living fuck was that about? We are chasing a game that we need to win, and you bring on Adam Lallana and Daniel Sturridge, who have zero future at this club, who are not playing. Sturridge was playing in the hope of getting another. We know he's not getting a contract. You know, his hope of getting a contract went by October. What the fuck is he doing on the pitch? I know it's saving other people minutes and everything. This is important. We needed, you know, three points was invaluable to us. I'm not, I'm gutted we don't have the three points. We got a point. We're five points clear. We should be happy with that. Don't, let's not underestimate what we've done. But seriously, we're off a nine day break, warm weather training. Nobody's fucking tired. And you bring on Adam Lalana. What in the living fuck? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about my language here, but this is where I'm losing it. We had 45 minutes of total and utter domination and control, and in one second we lost it and we never recovered it back. Um, look, I understand there's pressures, I understand there's bits and pieces, but oh, there's there, there's other options. Like I, I don't even have a complaint about Jordan Henderson at right back. I thought he did a sterling effort. He's out of position. It, you cannot criticise the lad. I, I thought he made a great effort at it. But it's... You know, what does Klopp... I want to know what Klopp sees in Adam Lallana that he thinks he's a match winner. Because they see the Mindy come on the pitch, I'd resign myself to a, to a draw or a loss. I realised we weren't doing anything more. And Lallana one made, made not very much sense at all in that he's been, he's been way off. I mean, he's not featured really. And when he has featured here, and it's been very, very stop-start. And, and he's been way off and he's shown nothing. But I suppose it shows it at that stage that he he thinks it's but, it's but not, was it not deeply frustrating. You know, the moment you saw him, Neil, was it not just like deep frustration in you? I, mean, I think it was sad. I mean, I think there were groans around the pub. You know, you think Sturridge somehow, somewhere, you think maybe he does what he did at Chelsea and and bangs one in from twenty yards from absolutely nowhere. But Lalana, you've not got that hope, and you think, well, why now? You know, of all the games, you know, Naby's not playing that badly. I mean, he is playing badly. We're going to get on to Naby kind of in a minute, but but Lallana didn't didn't play much better when he but came whenever on. You're going never to like Naby him to. It was unfair to ask him to after two and a half years out injured or whatever the fuck it is like. But if you're going to replace Naby Keita, who's off form, with Adam Lallana with no form whatsoever, what are you saying? Like, well, Dave, Dave, sorry, he doesn't. He doesn't. He repl- essentially he replaces Keita with Fabinho. And he replaces Shakiri with yeah, Shakiri with, with Lalana. And if you know, I know everyone's thoughts on Adam Lalana. That's fine, but Shakiri was a fucking passenger. He was a okay. passenger. You know, very he was, It was. It was. It, it, it was apparently. I, I'm. I may. I may have missed this or picked this up wrongly. This might only have been the first half, but seven or eight forward passes, and he is playing in an advanced midfield role. I didn't see him get beyond or break the lines once. I didn't see him run beyond the ball once. Yeah. And but he's playing, he's playing in front of Jordan Henderson, isn't he, at right back? And he's probably probably got an eye on on having to work back there. 
And but you say that, Steve. I don't. I don't think security did a lot to protect Henderson either. And I say he was he was anonymous in the game, so that's fine. I I I get that. You know who's he bringing on instead? I know. You know I know. That's, lo- you know, on a break, just leave well enough alone. It, it's you know, a dearth of options. It. It's a dearth of options. And to be to be honest and to be fair, I don't think Shakiri's really got ninety minutes in him that often. Like to be honest, no. And know? I and I think we I think we looked in the last ten like we might get when well, we got round the back two or three times. Milana did get round the back once. The big, the big difference when we wrestled back control. I mean, we we could we dominated the first forty five minutes. I would agree with that, as you said, Dave. Um, we didn't look we didn't look worried at all uh, until uh, somehow they they squeeze one in forty five plus. 45 plus two, I think, even though they should every have moment after that, Chief, every moment after every tackle that they made, it was high-fiving and it was back-slapping. That, you know, it, they were drawing. That's what they were out to. They weren't going to beat us. They were out oh, to get a draw. But I, I tell you what, what what did make the difference, because the first 20 minutes of the second half was very open, and we looked, as you said, Dave Dunham, at, at in danger, and as you said, Cengiz, as well, in danger of conceding. You know, there was there was a there was a five to ten minute spell where it looked like it was going to go two one to them as opposed more likely to go two one to them as opposed to two one to us. But Fabinho Fabinho coming on makes a big difference. I think within five minutes of his introduction, we're uh, we're in control of the game again, and we begin to turn the screw later on. There's no doubt about that, and we're unlucky. We get around the back a couple of times. Fabinho has a, a good, really good effort saved, and Manny misses another free header from a corner. You know, we do rest back into it, so I would be, uh, I would be uh, slow. Certainly, I wouldn't be quick to, to overly criticise uh, players last night or the players in general. But yeah, we were we were a little off. But um, I don't know how much is done to the conditions and the knock-on effect of, of players playing on a position. I mean, it looked like an ice storm rather than snow. I don't know what what you kind of made of that, but um, the ball wasn't really rolling through, was it? I know. Uh, you mentioned Chengis. It was but, very irregular, the ball movement, to be honest. We have never really seen anything quite like it. Yeah, and it looked like actually, and when they were taking throw-ins, it looked like the ice was actually coming off the ball. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it looked, it looked like hail. And even when, even when it was being shoveled behind, uh, I thought that was, pretty, thought that was pretty funny when they were just clearing, the, clearing the Leicester penalty area. Uh, but when it was being shoveled behind, it that like that wasn't snow. It was it looked like hail, and it looked like hail when the ball was bouncing. So yeah, it was it was weird, um, and I don't think it helped us. I don't think it helped us. I think it I think it made us I think it made us cagey, um, and I think we probably weren't brave enough to fizz to really fizz the ball in first time through fear because they're they're good side on the counter. You know, Vardy's like lightning. You know, Madison can pick a pass. Um, Damari Grace, the fucking speed merchant as well. Um, if, they'd been, if they'd have been clinical, they'd have won that game last night. Well, no yeah, they, they would have. And they've got the players to play that way. And Puel gets loads and loads of stick. But I think he's a good manager. It's because he's the one in the league two seasons ago. Because like. <laughs> he's French and he's not that nice to the media. They all hate him. Yeah, I get that. I know you say that as well, Dave, but he did a fucking pretty good job at Southampton too. You know, we got into the League Cup final and a final which they probably should have won. They were they were robbed, at, didn't they? Robbed in that game. Yeah, they did. They did. And they were comfortably like, you know, mid table in in the Premier League. And then look what's happened to Southampton since yeah, yeah, since he's exactly. left. A succession of absolutely atrocious appointments only now to possibly be rescued by 
the first bit of fucking sense in two, two, three years. So I, I get PL's a good manager. I think um, we, we have to give credit to Leicester. I think Klopp's limited in what he can do because let's be honest, he's having to do. It's not just like players missing. It's you know, if Jordan Henderson playing right back, that's immediately taking someone out of the midfield. Fabinho's not fit enough to start. He could have played either of those positions. So you're losing, you're losing twice there as well. Absolutely. You know, but, but but also what it is, Dave, as well that you know, I think Neil touched on it. You, you know, you've got people now doubling up on on uh, Robertson because they know that the right channel when Trent's there, it's much more of a danger danger to you know opposing teams. You don't have that same threat coming down the right, which allows you time to, to nullify our left, which therefore imbalances us completely and, and takes away some of the threat. And and it's. Yeah, but Dave, we've got to adapt to that. We're one of the best well, wait, look, teams in Europe. Absolutely, but we don't have the depth at right back. That's the problem. And really, and honestly, we don't have the depth at left back either. And I think that's in the summer something that we. And, and no doubt, I have no doubt that Klopp will be looking at someone who can fill in both roles quite comfortably. Um, to, you know, play left and right back. That, that's the ideal situation. That's what they seem to be doing: buying these adaptable um, players to play in numbers of positions. But, you know, honestly, I don't want to see Fabinho anymore playing, playing right back or defence. He needs to be in that central mid role because to me he is, he, he, is, he, he is the one that we, we go to. He, I've said it before, I think, last week. He is the name on the team sheet that you want to see first in that midfield. Like, like Van Dijk for the defence, Fabinho for the midfield, and Salah for, uh, at front. You know, those are the three names, the, the spine, if you want, and Allison. Um, without a doubt, but these our our fullbacks are are fast and and Trent's injury this time for me is highlighting just how important they are to club system and just how important whenever we lose one of them without sufficient cover, how much it brings us to a standstill. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would I would go along with with the fact, <coughs> yeah, with that absolutely, and that the fullbacks are are massively important to the system, and we we don't really have the depth there. Um, it's unlucky for us because obviously Joe Gomez would have filled in there or could have filled in there. He's he's broken his leg as well, had another injury setback. Obviously James Milner was doing a job there, although he's third choice. He's he's been injured, so Jordan Henderson is having to play there. You know, it, it's far from ideal. But that's um, a makeshift back six. Let's be honest. It really is. It's it's far from a first team. It's, far it's a from- makeshift back six, a hundred percent. And the the issues in defence are so deep right now, uh, with Lovren, with with Trent, with Milner, with fuck Gomez. who else? Gomez. Gomez. What you've got now is you've got okay. midfielders now having to play in in the back four, and then you're gonna and then you have you know Naby Keita. That's not that was, that's not where Naby Keita plays either. Let's not forget that. No, you know. No. He's a, I mean, he's more, much more of a number eight slash eight come ten. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, so it's 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 far. It's a it's a scratch team from that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually is when when you look at it, and um, it's one of I suppose the flip side of having a smaller squad with versatile players who can play a number of positions is that when one of them's injured, you've lost a couple of positions, like, or you've lost cover for a couple of positions, or whatever. And that's uh, it's one of those things. I suppose we've just gotta gotta ride it out. Um, and especially in the, in the terms of Fabinho there as well. Whenever he's your like your key man and you're moving him to an area where you're not getting so much out of him, you he's a, such a miss in the midfield. It was. I mean, at, at this point, 
I suppose we haven't really quite gotten to that because we haven't really seen Fabinho at right back so much. He played centre back a, a couple of games in the end. Um, well, okay, within within the, within the defence, you know what I mean. And it's not that he's doing a bad job, but you just feel that his best work that we've seen out of him, and and he's growing game by game. You know, I, I'm I'm getting to just love this guy. I think he's I think he's fucking brilliant, honestly. Like some some Fabinho love, absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, I want to move it on a, a tad here and stay with the midfield. I'm going to come to Jengis here first. Um, we touched on it slightly earlier, perhaps somewhat mis, uh, mistakenly, when we said Lalana came on for, for Kaida, but of course we, we corrected ourselves, or Dave corrected us. But um, I want to talk about Kaida here. Yeah, because obviously Nabi Kaida is, is a talking point at the moment. Um, big money signing, of course. Much anticipated, highly anticipated. Uh, his arrival was, um, and after what looked like a promising start, it hasn't quite happened for him. Um, so obviously we had with the injury issue at uh, Napoli, where where he goes down, and we have those odd reports about uh, about hard checks, and it turns out to be a back injury and, and whatever. And since then, apart from the odd the odd flash at uh, Burnley, where he came on to to great effect and, and had a very good game. Uh, very good second half. Um, he hasn't really shown that much, and it, it does seem that obviously there've been murmurings that he's struggling to settle. And last night, yeah, mixed reports. Some some saying it was improved. Uh, some saying that yeah, that they felt it was maybe his best game in a Liverpool shirt. Others not feeling it, not seeing it, and 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 frankly starting to get a little worried. So, Genghis. First of all, how did you how did you see his game last night, and and what do you think uh, is the next step for Nabi? I feel like you know, there's one part of me which is like, okay, I mean, this guy is obviously incredibly talented. You know, he was he was the star of the Bundesliga um, certainly for one year, and then he was also pretty good the following year, although he had some disciplinary issues and and, and whatnot, but. You know he's he's a, he's a, he's going to be a massive player for us, and I have no doubt that uh, he'll settle in at some point. But it's it's kind of uh, frustrating to see that he actually had a good start. He had a decent start in the beginning of the season, and as you say, you know the injuries happen, and um, he obviously um, uh, at least in, in the beginning he had the language barrier, and you know a few uh, speaking to a few of our friends, you know some of them were, uh, for uh, for instance, um, worried about his. Mentality. So, you know, if, if you know you're going to play in England a year in advance, you should at least, you know, have the language barrier out of the way and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, uh, let's face it, you know, for example, Coutinho, he uh, he had been a, uh, for a number of years and his English wasn't great. He only had like a few interviews and in maybe his final year where he was like able to uh, freely speak in English. I mean, not that he can't speak any at all, but I mean, my, my point is that I don't think the language is a barrier, but you never know with um, moves, you know. For I mean, let's take, for instance, uh, Bernardo Silva in Manchester City. Uh, I mean, you can see he's absolutely killing it at the moment. He's he's such an important player for City. But uh, last season, for example, he didn't play, certainly didn't start that many games. And, um, you know, every, every player is different. They have a different playing style, the way they... Um, uh, communicate with the coach or, you know, the way they train and everything. So, I mean, every you can't just expect every player to hit the ground running. Although, with the level of talent that Keita has and his playing style, you know, he, I, I personally thought that he would 
fit in absolutely instantly from the first game that he would be one of our most important midfielders. Um, and he seemed like um, to be the absolute perfect Coutinho replacement, but uh, he's he's not even in any similar to how, how important Coutinho or like the way Coutinho was playing for us as things stand, but I'm sure it will come along at some point. Um, I thought that he actually had a poor, a pretty poor first half. Uh, there were instances where I was actually watching him. Uh, I singled him out. Okay, I, I need to, I need to actually see like w- w- what this man is doing because you know, like he, uh, Klopp is in, he's starting him. Uh, he's starting to start him in um, many more games now to build his confidence. And but he just went missing. He was hiding from the ball, so you could see him shifting from. The middle of the pitch, um, shifting out right sometimes, coming, dropping back closer to the center backs, going a bit forward. So I'm not really sure if he knew where he should have been positioning, but he had a few runs and then, um, it seemed like he, he was going to create something. And then it's just, you know, the simple passes. He's just missing that simple pass, um, onto the feet of, um, someone who's not even that far from him. And then once he makes these simple mistakes and, uh, I, I think it was quite obvious he was like moving back from uh, or standing close to um, Ndidi and Mendy, you know, like not being available for the ball or dropping back, shifting away from uh, uh, the, uh, the, the movement of the play. And second half, he was definitely better. Just when you saw that he was, you know, maybe club had a few words with him at halftime, you know, told him to get on the ball, you know, uh, do what he does best. And you could see that he was putting more effort in, and it certainly looked like he was getting more into the game. And then, obviously, he was taken off. So, uh, if I had to rate him out of a 10, his performance, I would probably say 4.5, maybe. So, I really do expect um, more from him. And I'm sure that he he has so much more to give for us. And I'm just hoping that it will happen uh, sooner rather than later. But my, you, some may say this is uh, controversial, what I'm about to say, but... I certainly am um, in the position at the moment that we shouldn't really be trying to get players' confidence in this really crucial run-in. I would rather prefer that, you know, he comes on and uh, regardless of the score, he. I would rather see him come on at, in the 60th minute, you know, not super late or anything, but I, at least he would have enough time to maybe have an impact on the game if he comes on in the second half and, uh, you know, if the opposition is tired, then you, that's when you could really use his uh, quick mind and, you know, the, the way he spins around and just um, maneuvers around players and, and can make like just runs into the box. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I'm, I, I really want to see the best of him and I want to see him play as much as possible normally. But I think it's just come to the stage where I think he should be brought on more as an impact sub uh, at least for the foreseeable um, games where you can see that he has his confidence back he's ready to um, change a game or you know um, take it by the scruff of the neck and I, I just hope that you know if, if whoever starts the next upcoming games that they really deserve to start you know they show it in training and they're actually feeling confident because I don't think we're in a position at the moment to try and um, get players into their rhythm if you like I mean, that was something that we were discussing last night amongst ourselves after the game, Cengiz, and, and with a couple of others, that, um, and, and pre-pod as well. So, I mean, Nabi Kaida and, and what next for him. And, and it does seem, Dave Karen, like we've been um, 
or Klopp's been almost trying to play tight it into form a little bit. I mean, I know we've been we we said we've got a, an injury an injury issue at the moment, and we're having to play Jordan Henderson right back. So I mean. Fabinho was also out last night, so so Kaida was always going to start, but he has had three or four starts in a row now, if I'm not mistaken, and you know he's he, he's certainly in the double figures for Liverpool in terms of of starts. Things not quite panning out as as yet. So how do we persist? Do we persist with trying to play him in the form, or does he drop back to the bench now with with hopefully Fabinho being fit and a couple of others coming back? Neil, one of two things is going to happen. I think that you know we've discussed this in the pod. I think the last time you were on, we even. Had a, had a bit of key to talk. And, you know, look, I think what Ganga said there is that, you know, four and a half out of ten is it, it really all we've been seeing from him. It's all he's really, you know, like if you average the, those ten starts out, you know, four and a half is probably, uh, probably about reasonable for, for what we've yeah. seen from him. And, you know, I did watch him that the year that, um, you know, he that Leipzig nearly won the Bundesliga. I was watching that because it was just something different. Um, and at that time, you know, with, with WFI, it was into all their leagues and whatnot. I, don't, I didn't see so much of him last season, but I, he wasn't the player last season when I saw him that he was in the, the big season that Leipzig had. And, you know, there were suggestions, I think we said before, about, um, you know, maybe the, the Liverpool move was playing on his mind and, you know, he was, he was playing a season in front of himself and so on. And then, you know, obviously it's been touched on as well about the language. Now, you know, you know yourself, uh, you live in a, a non-English speaking country, um, but you're immersed in it. And immersion sort of is is a lot better, in my opinion, than, than any lessons that you'll ever learn. And especially being immersed in that situation in a team, you would imagine. Um, you know, I, I was by myself, basically. Uh, but you imagine in a team situation with, with others to help you out, um, that it, it should be maybe, a, a let's say, a smoother transition. Learning a second language is never easy. Um, but certainly to get enough to get a basic of what they're doing, basics, yeah. of what they're doing on the pitch and, and you know words that you know the movement and, and what Klopp would expect of them, those should be the basics that you would imagine from August. We're in that six months now. You would imagine on a day to day basis being drummed into him that you know it would be there. So I'm well, I, I, I see the language barrier. I'm not completely convinced that it it is that because like Bobby Firmino's only just about babbling a few words in English for, for cameras now. You know, I know from my own point of view, I, I, I had embarrassment. I didn't really bar thank you, you know, pack of cigarettes, thank you, how much is that, the numbers and whatnot. You, you didn't have the confidence to really go beyond that. And then one day you just, the walls just come down and, and you go with it. You're happy to make your mistakes. You're, you know, you can laugh at yourself sort of thing. Yeah. But it, it, it does take a while to reach that level of confidence. Now, that could be there from, but given the environment, he said, and that is a tight, tight-knit group, a really tight-knit group. Um, and you would imagine, uh, you know, he being part of that, he that immersion w- would help with that. But it doesn't seem to be helping on the pitch. There's definitely a player in there, Neil. There's no two ways about it. We don't give up. But given the fact there's 14 games to go, 20, potentially 21 if we go all the way to the Champions League final, I'm not so sure that, that as time goes on, if he doesn't in the next couple of weeks or so pick up form or find some kind of form, that if you're Klopp, you have to look at it pragmatically like he's done this whole season has been one big exercise in pragmatism and and for me it reaches a point where you go we're not getting an awful lot out of him maybe next season uh, and, and that's really the way I'm looking at it because we're getting to the sharp end you know like honestly if you look at it last night we, we dropped points there uh, and and that can't happen again. It just simply cannot happen again with, with the arrangement of City breathing down our necks. I know, I know we're pulling away from them, but 
the, the media, everything around you, you read anything, and it's like, you know, City are coming to get you. And, and we're paranoid enough as Liverpool fans. We've had fucking 30 years of paranoia. We don't need them anymore lumped on us at this moment in time. So, you know, you know Keita's in an, an, an unenviable situation. He's gone under the radar. He's been very lucky that we've, we've had this run. But all of a sudden, with game by game, and as the results go down, as the sharp end, as that point starts to come in the sharp end, his, his lack of contributions will start to become, in my opinion, a bigger issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair as, as the pressure mounts. Just the, those split seconds of indecision uh, at key moments. I mean, they're they're very very costly. And I actually thought that that was present in in a number of players last night. There was indecision, and I, I don't know. I think a lot of that's maybe down to, to Leicester as well because they defended very well and cut off a lot of well, cut off the passing lanes brilliantly. To to be honest, um, but there was that that slight second of or split. Not even, I mean, hundredth of a second or tenth of a second of, of hesitation among some players. I mean, Dave Dunning, I'll finish up with you on this one on on Naby. What have you What have you got to add? Because I think Dave's right. It's getting to the point where, and and Dengis as well, makes it, you know to a point where we cannot really afford to be carrying anyone um, as as we push for for first Premier League title. Um. I get what you're saying, but it has to happen at some point. And the only way it's going to happen is if he's on the pitch. To be more pragmatic than that, we're going to need to use him because we're going to need as many bodies as we can as we can get our, get our hands on. So, you know, I think regardless of his form, he's played this many games playing how he is. He'll continue to play games. Um, and I think that's the reality of it. Yeah, just for uh, I think you're absolutely right. But for example, Fabinho fit again. Is he in your midfield three for for West Ham? I mean, is is Kaida in your midfield in your midfield for West Ham? As as a two or a three? Well, just the way it is now with all the players there. Whichever way you want to play it, are you, are you playing Nabi Kaida in there? No, I'm absolutely not. In fact, Nabi Kaida drops a, a, with. Sabino hopefully fit enough to start and Milner back, which means Henderson can play midfield. Kaida is now the, your fourth choice for that position. Yeah. If you maybe even your fifth choice if you if you want to count Milner, you know Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum, and, and Fabinho is your fifth choice for those two positions now. And that is that's the reality of his form. That based on form, that's it. I don't think that's his natural position anyway. I think Cengiz is 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 right. I think. I think he's hiding. I think he's shirking responsibility. I think he is playing so far within himself that he has become the shadow of the player that he is. You know, I, it's it's he is a, he's a shadow of of his former self. And I think Klopp probably has in his head. I don't think Shakiri. I don't think Klopp has in his head in in August that Shakiri gets this many starts at this point. And Shakiri's been great, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it's been as an impact sub. A lot of it's been from the bench, and we see the best out of him that way. But I don't think Klopp has in his head that Shakiri's playing this many or starting this many games at this point because I think Klopp thinks that this is where Kaida now starts to become Nabi Kaida. And I think that comes back to Dave's point where you know he stated that he's, he's had an easy ride. But I think as Liverpool fans, we've learned to be patient with new signings, you know, with the way that. We now know they get bedded in the way Fabinho was bedded in, the way Robertson was bedded in, the way Oxley Chamberlain was bedded in. 
you know, we don't expect to see the best of them until gen- generally after the new year or certainly at Christmas time. And it is now getting to the point where you're you're not seeing an, up, an upturn in form. And I think that's I think that is nothing more than the lads, the lads confidence, because he's got no desire to, to, to shoot from outside the box. He doesn't want to take that responsibility. He is so scared of, of running at players and committing players and, and trying to beat a man, which is essentially what we bought him for, that he just refuses to do it and he'll pass the ball square. He'll sooner pass the ball square than go and do that. Whereas a player with confidence, his first thought is to get the ball. If you look to Philip Coutinho, his first thought was to get the ball and go, go at somebody. And if he can't find an angle or an avenue or see a gap that he can that he can try and weave his way through, then then he'll pass it first thoughts to pass the ball. And that impacts the forward players so much because there's no one committing footballers there. There's no one creating space. And if someone's running and commits it, you beat a man, you take another guy out of the game immediately. That creates space. That creates space all over the pitch. And it's it's something that could be such a valuable asset. And he, need, he needs to find it within himself to become that player again because it is it, this is purely psychological, I think. I think that's very interesting. I think you're, you're absolutely right. That's that's precisely what he was bought for. You know, the ability to to beat a man in in the middle of the pitch or or the edge of the final third and and drive into the box or or make something happen and create the space. And and you know, if you think back to the beginning of the season, I mean, there's that crazy kind of turn, isn't there? That he kind of takes the ball down and turns three three sixty, I think, or yeah, no, one eighty, all all in one. Yeah, movement. Palace. Yeah, and then plays the ball over the top, doesn't he? And then Salah is unlucky. He, he skies it, but it would have been an unreal goal. So in that kind of audacity, was in his game at the beginning of the season. But you're right. He's just- I remember the first game of the season, Chief, and he, he, he runs into the, the penalty area against West Ham and he beats like four or five men and then tries to smuggle it through to Salah. And I don't know I don't know what's happened, but he, he needs a moment. He needs a moment like that to, to spark us to spark his form and just fucking ignite his career. He needs to hammer one in from 25 yards or, or beat three men and, and play a one-two and slot it into the bottom corner like he nearly did last night, but got the ball He's, stuck under his feet and then got fouled and, and then it should have been a penalty and I get that. But, you know, he needs to, to take a touch out of his feet and slot that in the bottom corner. That's what needs to happen yeah. for him. But until he starts taking responsibility for going and trying to do those things, it isn't gonna happen. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he's had he's he, and he has had so many nearly moments already. I mean, you, you mentioned that um, you know shooting shooting from from twenty yards or one to fly into the top corner. I mean, he he has that one against Burnley, doesn't he, where he beats a couple and blams it from thirty yards and. I don't think he's the confidence to hit one from thirty yards, Neil. Just at this moment, I don't think. Well, I, I think that's anymore. half the problem. And that that is the problem because I think that. That confidence is is kind of ebbed away because he's had those nearly moments and and it hasn't quite gone for him and and it's a test for him. There's no doubt, you know, it's a test of character. He's he's got to find his himself again. He's got to find his form. He's got to find his mojo. I just wonder, just wonder, having having been given the, the three four games in a row or the four five games in a row, maybe it's time ideally for him to sit the next one out and and or or start from the bench with Fabinho and Henderson perhaps recalled. With the centre or Fabinho and Genie or the three of them if they're playing a three. I just think 
maybe it's time to to give Kyle a break because, as you rightly say, Dave, he had another nearly moment the other night, and if he if he just gets that right and slots in, or even worst case scenario, the referee does his job and gives a penalty, he's coming off that pitch feeling a lot better, and and probably Liverpool fans are, are starting to say, well, you know, may not have been brilliant, but at least he's contri- contributing, and at least he has contributed. So I think you're what do you right. Think it was to me, you know, what the, like you, you obviously you and Gangus have se- have seen a lot of them there in Germany. I say I saw quite a lot of them this season. But his whole demeanour, the way he carries himself on the pitch, the shoulders are down. It's not the same player. It's not that same arrogance. But you know, I would always put him down as a very, very arrogant on the ball. You know what I mean? He carried the ball well. He, he uh, you know, he's a he's a tough wee nut. Like, and, and all that seems to just and, and it's all confidence now, and it just doesn't seem there. The thing is, guys, it. it you don't, and I hate this. I hate this expression that people use these days when when a player signs for a club and it, it kind of doesn't work out, and, and or, or someone loses his form and just go, "I shit." He's not shit. He's no. dead good at football. You don't just become not good at football overnight. It's no. There, it's it's more than that. It's a hundred percent more than that. And you know, maybe you need to fucking go and talk to somebody. I don't know. I don't I don't agree with the language thing either. You forget he's done this twice before, hasn't he? You know, he's went to where, Austria. No, yeah, absolutely. And then he was in, in, in Germany. I mean And then he went but he still has to still has to communicate in, in German and believe you me, that's not an easy language to learn. You know, so he's done this twice before. It's not like he it's not like this is new to him. It's not like he's a sixteen year old. Well yeah. you can only sit and hope, can't you? Well, absolutely. What is well, his native tongue is French, if I'm correct, Neil. Yes. Yeah, so, well, you know, like for example, Portuguese to Spanish is a very easy transition. Portuguese to Italian, very. You know, we've got Latin Romance language. What about French to German? Any experience of that? Is that a hard transition or is it an easy transition? Well, the, the, no, it's it's difficult. It's totally different. I mean, the the Germans have got quite a few French words in their language, just as as individual words, but the grammar and setup and everything is is totally different, like in the pronunciation pronunciation and everything. So, um, so yeah, it's it's very very different and very very difficult. But he managed, you know, he managed in Leipzig. So, so I'm I, I agree with that as well. I don't think the language can be. Why it might be a slight hindrance, as you said as well, by now you should have the basics, certainly for communicating on the pitch, and, and it shouldn't be an issue. Um, the confidence thing is, is is what it is. I mean, because as we've all alluded to, he had the confidence earlier in the season and he looked quite good, you know. He had, And he's had flashes but those, and, and nearly moments, but they've all been nearly moments. He hasn't had that one thing that, that's crystallised and, and, and given him the belief maybe that he belongs at Liverpool and he, he is part of this team and he is contributing to the team. Because obviously there's a lot of pressure. He's coming into to a team that's got a lot of players who are on top form in the form of their of their careers to date and, and are pushing for what would be a, an historic league title for Liverpool. So, I mean, the pressure is really on. He's coming to a club that, that he could only probably... In line with what you said, Neil. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been making me think, actually. I mean, so I think he was at um, Red Bull Salzburg in um, in Austria before he went to uh, Erbe Leipzig. Is that right? Yeah. So he was basically the star of the team in both those teams. And then he comes to a team like Liverpool. You know, it's a different country, different football culture. And, you know, perhaps the um, uh, Red Bull teams, which he played in, they weren't... As, as you guys touched upon, you know, so closely knit together. So everything is not only new to him, but also it's perhaps the first time that he walks into a dressing room of fucking brilliant players, like absolute Intense, world. Yeah. 
Maybe, maybe that season that he stayed, the season that he stayed was maybe maybe a bad thing for him in hindsight. Maybe, maybe. Because, but I mean, I think, you know, had he had come last season, Neil, the expectations weren't there. You look at us at the start of last season. Oh, we'll get top four, blah, blah, blah. We never thought of Champions League final. We got to the last 16 of the Champions League. That's all we were thinking about. If you bring Naby Keita into that environment, that's fine. You've brought him into a team that's going for the title. He's the new boy. He's the outsider. All the factors that we've thrown in. Yeah. Again, you, you have to have a little bit of sympathy for him. I do. I do. Absolutely. I, mean, I have to agree with, with, with both your points there. I mean, they're both interesting points. Uh, Cheng is absolutely co- you know coming into a team of stars now and coming into that intensity and it is a very tight knit squad as you say it, it's that's Klopp's whole philosophy that's the, his whole ethos behind creating a winning winning team is is that bond that closeness so maybe it's all just just brand new to him and and as yeah as you touched on there rightly maybe that that extra year in that time Liverpool have progressed and. And now Naby kind of coming into the team going, shit, it's it's pretty difficult to make my mark here. Anyway, we shall probably leave it there on, on Naby. We, we can talk him to death at the moment. Uh, you know, one way or another, he's, he's contributing, he's playing games, and, and let's hope it, it comes good for him. He's not so, going anywhere, Neil. Go, not no, going he's anywhere. not going anywhere. And, 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 and Dave Dunham was absolutely right. We are going to need him. And we all, we all want him to come good. We all want that moment. And, and I think we all mentioned that we think there will be that moment where he will arrive and and things will uh, will will progress from there and we'll have no problems. Uh, we just I suppose want that to come soon for him as much as as much as for us. So anyway, we'll we'll move on to the last wee wee section here and just have a look at the the upcoming fixtures. The next three league games for Liverpool. Uh, we've got West Ham away on Monday night. Then we've got uh, Bournemouth, I believe, uh, at home. Uh, followed up by a trip to Ole's rejuvenated Reds at uh, at Old Trafford. So West Ham not been in great form recently. They started off poorly. We we batted them on the first day of the season. They began out with four defeats or three defeats, three or four anyway. Pretty poor. Rescued themselves a little. Began to look like they were gonna gonna do okay this season. And now they're they're off the back of a few. Kind of horrifying results in a row. They got battered by Wolves the other night, 3 0. They've been knocked out of the FA Cup 4 2 by AFC Wimbledon. Um, and I do believe they, they lost the previous game as well. So, so they've hit the skids a little bit. They've had all this talk with Arnautovic, who's now signed a, an inflated contract. Um, followed by that, we've got Bournemouth. Great win against Chelsea last night. Uh, that, that, that'll be the Wednesday night. Not quite sure what happened there. Um, Chelsea bit up and down at the moment. Bournemouth had a poor run of form, which is which is expected for them generally. They they they're a patchy team, but um, they're certainly capable of, of good results. They started the season very well, and that's a great result against against Chelsea the uh, the other night. And then of course we have got United, and we know all about them and uh, Ole's revolution. So let's hope we can well and truly derail that. So thoughts, ideas. I mean. You know, nine points is what we want. Of course, can we afford seven? Do we think what? What? Yeah, what do we think we'll face in these uh, in these games? And uh, how do you see them going, Dave? Don, I'll start with you here. Yeah, I think you're right. Nice time to get West Ham. I think isn't it? We've enjoyed playing them in recent years. Lots of fours, fours everywhere. Yeah, fours are nice. Uh, yeah, it's a lovely number. It's a lovely number. Um, so, yeah, I think Arnautovic is signed. That's all very, 
weird what happened there. Uh, all a bit strange. I don't know whether the one day contract extension it worked out at like that. Uh, it's it's so bizarre. And then <laughs> to, to add insult to injury, he fucking hobbles off injured. Yeah, he's on crutches. Um, crutch. Yeah, which is no bad thing for us. Yeah, there's something that's a, such a strange club, West Ham. There's so many issues um, at that football club. Um, they're, you know, they're they remind me of Newcastle United a little bit, but with like fan issues and stuff as well. There's there's so many different supporters groups, and the supporters groups don't even agree with each other. Never mind agreeing with what the the board are doing. Really like each other? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an it's a very very strange setup for a football club. Um, it's like a little world of its own. I, I like I like Pellegrini a lot. I think he's a really good, really really good manager. Um, he, he's been doing it for you know fifteen years now. Um, he's been winning titles more than that. He's been winning titles in all different types of countries. He's coached Villarreal to Champions League semi-finals and Malaga to late stage of the Champions League. Um, he, he likes to play good football. Like the press, but there's something not quite right with that club. And if I think with if something goes wrong, they tend to fall off a cliff. And I kind of get the feeling that that's what's happened with them now. So it's a nice time to get them. I think they're vulnerable. I think this the atmosphere in the stadium could possibly be toxic after their last few results. So, yeah, I'd like to think we can go there and really impose ourselves on them. I think we'll have a bit more of a settled um, 11 akin to what we've seen the majority of the season. And I'd like to think we'll go and win. It's going to be similar to the weekend where we see what City do. You know, it's going to be, it could be an entirely different type of pressure. Now, because I thought these three games, I made a bold statement last night and I thought if I said before the game, if we win our next four games, I think that's it. I think that's it done because if we'd have won last night, I'd expected City to drop points in their next three games, who I think are um, Chelsea, Everton, and Arsenal. And I would expect I'd expect them to drop points in there somewhere if we had won last night. Now the fact that we haven't, it'll be the same pressure on us. Maybe a different pressure, if probably a different pressure if they go and win. So we'll see how we handle that. That can that that would be a concern for me because I get the feeling that. We probably thought, and if we thought, the players probably thought this could be a real nail in City's coffin um, if we had a one on Monday night, and that frustrated me a lot because we didn't, we didn't make that step, and that for me is a small concern in the back of my mind that we that we didn't take that opportunity, which seemed like a massive, massive deal at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think I think a lot of us felt that. Um, haven't haven't said that. I mean. Looking at title run-ins over the years, I mean, there there are always far more twists and turns as it, as it gets to the the really late stages than than anyone ever predicts. So so just just before I move on from you, Dave, what what do we need from this? Uh, you mentioned you thought said he might drop points, and you, then now you're not sure. So do we need the nine to be sure, or can we afford to drop a couple against United, for example? Can we afford seven? Do you think City will drop any point? I'd said a couple of weeks ago that I'd wanted to go into the United game more than four points ahead of them. And I didn't think that that was going to be five points ahead of them, if that makes sense. Because now I feel like five points isn't enough. I think six points, six yeah, points ten would be points fine. wouldn't be enough. Like really ten points. It's just, we're we're so um, 
emotionally fragile at this moment. But I, don't I don't know if we are. I don't know if we are emotionally fragile. It all depends on what they do. It's so strange. I just, I just thought, I thought, but, I. Well, you don't think that they're going to drop points. In my head, you, you know, they did. You know, it was a surprise to me. There was nothing going into that game. Like, I texted you whenever, when they scored in the first minute. Ah, fuck, fuck Rafa doing us a favor, I think, was, was my was my message to you. You know what I mean? We, we're not expecting. When we when we view these games in the future, our heads automatically go. And City fans look at us and go, oh, they'll win. And we look at them and they'll, they'll win. But the reality is there's a whole different level there. You need to be a neutral to see, I think. I think I don't know if I don't I don't I don't necessarily think basically we need to match their results, I feel. So probably nine points. But we're we're gonna draw points and City are gonna draw points at some point throughout the season. And well, they have Chelsea, Arsenal and Everton next, Dave, so I know, but I think I think that I think the big thing now is it's not if you drop points, I think it's when you drop points. Yeah. The way the way it's been going and the way that this kind of this psych, psychological battle has been going, I think it's when you drop points is going to be more important, or so where you when you drop points is going to be more important than if you drop points. So, for example, if we win last night, that's a huge psychological boost for us and a, a fucking dagger in their heart. So, I think it'll be how that pans out. If City drop points before us again, I think that could be massive. But if we miss an opportunity, then it could go the other way. If we drop points and City win, then all of a sudden they're going, whoa, it's two points here. It's only one one result. People had written us off and we're right back in this. So it's, I I guess we've just got to hold our nerve and hope the players do the same. Yeah, I mean, after coming to you, Chengas, on on this... um, Dave kind of went went around the houses there to say that we would need to match Man City's results, and I, I I totally agree. Like I normally do, <laughs> and it you know I totally I totally it's succinct as ever, Dave as ever. Um, I I totally agree. Um, but as as was also mentioned, uh, City have got Arsenal next, then Everton, uh, and then I believe it's Chelsea's their the third game of the three. Um. Chelsea, we mentioned they're they're interesting. They're they're up and down. One week they look very good. Next week they look like they can't be bothered. Um, Arsenal are an interesting one away. You know it's it's at the Etihad, so Arsenal not great away from home. But strong strong rumours suggesting Ederson is out, and with Claudio Bravo out, it, if if that holds to be true, it's going to be a a twenty year old untested goalkeeper um, for them. And of course, on paper. As Dave, Dave Karen mentioned, you certainly don't expect Man City to, when you look at the fixtures, you certainly don't expect Man City to drop points to Newcastle. But one or two of us might have our fingers crossed that coming up against certainly Arsenal and Chelsea, sorry Everton, not holding holding out much hope, uh, but certainly up against Arsenal and Chelsea, there's a chance of, of possible dropping a point. So do you, do, you, do you think we need the nine points in this game, in these three games, Cengiz, or do you think that there's a chance that, um, that City might might waver still, still further. Well, I think uh, I want to touch upon uh, what, what Dave said earlier that I don't think it's a matter of, you know, if we drop points, but rather when and at which games we drop points. So uh, I think both us and City, we're, we're, I mean, both teams are going to drop points at some point. So I, I don't think we should. So we really shouldn't be worrying about City. I mean, they they have incredible squad depth. I mean, 
maybe they were a bit tired um, against the Newcastle game. I have no idea why, because I didn't watch the whole game. I just obviously tuned in um, as soon as uh, Newcastle equalized. I immediately tuned in and watched the last 25 minutes. But I mean, along with the rest of the country, (laughs) (laughs) the rest of the world. As long as we just focus on ourselves and we stop thinking about City, I think, I think we, sh- we, we, I think we can manage. So, I mean, thinking about City will not change anything at all. And I think, uh, if, if, if you go back to when we played Arsenal, you know, um, earlier on when we beat them 5-1, it, it wasn't really, at that point, it wasn't really important, you know, who was playing first, if we were playing before City, if we were playing after them, you know, it was still fairly early and we weren't really getting too ahead of ourselves. And as soon as we conceded that goal um, to Arsenal, I cannot even remember a single person from like when we were watching with our group that no one was concerned. And I don't think anyone who was watching that was concerned because we knew that, you know, uh, it's still, you know, we're at Anfield and we're going to come back and all good. But yesterday it was it was definitely a different feeling, Uh, you know, when City lost and we had the pressure to. Uh, you know, go seven points clear at the top, and you know there was all this media hype going into the game. You could hear from the fans, you know, all the groans, uh, you know, time and time after again. And Klopp even turned back uh, and you know told the fans to, I guess he gestured them to stay calm and you know get back to their senses. And you know, with Van Dyke also um, uh, mentioning that you know they, they could kind of hear the anxiety within the fans. I think the most important thing for us as a collective to calm down is just to absolutely forget about City because it's it's all in our hands at, at the moment. That's the reality. So we're five points clear and regardless of, of whether City win or lose or draw their games, all we have to do is just take it one game at a time, not think about City, don't let the nerves get to us and it's all in our hands and as long as we win our games, uh, we should be fine. So, I mean, there's no doubt, I mean, you know, especially when you're in we just lost one game that was against City at the Etihad, which could have gone either way. And we all know <laughs> what happened exactly at that game with company. Um, uh, but apart from that, we've only dropped points against Arsenal when we drew them at the Emirates and also uh, against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and, you know, Leicester, obviously, last night. But, you know, we've been incredibly encouraged by what we've seen so far. And it's it's crazy that, you know, how things have changed from a few years back where we we just now look at the fixture list and say, OK, last 14 games, we have to win all of them. Like, you know, even under uh, during 13, 14, you know, we had that, um, I think, uh, in the last 14 games of Brendan Rodgers, we had the 11 game um, uh, winning winning streak. And then sorry to remind you guys. Um, yeah, we have the Chelsea game and the Palace game. And then after that final game of the season we won so I mean we we do tend to look stronger in the second half um, of every season and um, also looking back at our results so far this season so we started off with winning six on the bounce and then uh, we had the draw at Chelsea followed by the uh, draw against City at Anfield then we won our uh, next two games after the draw against City and then we drew Arsenal and then we went on a nine game winning streak and then we lost the City, we won the next two, and then we drew against Sesser. So if the trend is going to be fairly consistent, hopefully it's we're going to go on streak. <laughs> hopefully we're going on another winning streak. And oh, we haven't even mentioned the factor of Bayern München sandwiched between Bournemouth and Man United. So, 
I mean, yeah, I'd happily take another uh, winning streak of at least six or nine games because I think um, you can totally expect City to bounce back and just go on a winning streak. But we're more than capable of, um, I, I won't say replicating what they do because at the moment they're replicating what we're doing, but just maybe scoring a few more goals. I don't see anything um, that City are capable of doing and we are not, you know, especially since now we're getting our players back, uh, our first team players coming back from injury, uh, coming back from illness. And yeah, I, I think as long as we, we, we shouldn't be thinking about City and if, you know, uh, it's important that we uh, get nine points from the next uh, three league games. Of course, it's important that we get the nine points and they're very winnable nine points. Um, so uh, I think once we have um, our, our first team, our, our regular starters back, and uh, we can kind of, you know, uh, hopefully the players will be much more rested compared to our rivals, and uh, I think I think we have a good chance. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right on that. We can get uh, carried away with City. I mean, it's natural. You you get drawn into the the hype a little bit, and and as fans, you're you're always worrying about uh, what the other side's doing, and you always think the worst, I suppose, as well. Um, so taking, you know, concentrating on our own results and, and our own game, and I think Klopp was Klopp was a was a pain to vocalise that and express that in, in the press conference. So Dave Karen, then just just to finish up on this, how do you see it? I mean, you see them. Dropping points, just um, you agree with what Cengiz is saying there. It's just just a case of, of keep going and winning the games. Anything to add at all? It's the United game that worries me. You, you know, like they'll they'll be up for that game. Uh, these are two teams that just don't want to be. They want to stop us winning titles, and that, that that sets these two ties apart. So the key in this one for me is always going to be United. It's always going to be United, um, and and I think that's. If I had to put a ring around where I see the potential banana skin, the potential to drop points, it's that game in the next three. Um, I'm hopeful that we can go there and with Solskjaer in charge, we're facing something completely different where they have to play football. And if they play football against us, they might get a lesson, which might be a nice thing. But we don't really know because we've had just experience of buses being parked against us in recent times against them. I don't think much needs to change. I think if we get Trent back, I think if we get Joe Gomez back over the next few weeks, I, I think that that solves the problems that we've been having, the gripes. That, like, honestly, we're here after a game that we drew and put ourselves a further point ahead of City. Like, we really shouldn't have too much to cry about. We really shouldn't be shouting. We should, really shouldn't be that upset. But it's just nerves. And, and you know, I think Angus was getting to the fact we shouldn't worry about City. You know, it's just not that easy, unfortunately. <laughs> it really isn't. You know, especially when we're the play in front of us. You're fucking glued to it. You can't leave it alone. I'll say, maybe it's me being older and we've had to wait so long for this and, and it's so close. It's when, like, it's almost within touching. And this is where the, the sharp end of it starts. And, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As fans, it's, 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 it's very difficult not to, not to get caught up. But I think <coughs> Tengus is, uh, Kind of focusing more more on the players and 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 not not letting the the team or the or the club getting caught up in in in, in chasing city or, or battling city, shall we say? But I mean, I it does that, trans it does transmit though, Neil, doesn't it? Of course it does, and it naturally is gonna because they're not they're not living in a bubble, you know. They, they of course they know they're up against city. Of course they're watching to see what city. Doing. I mean, you see it yourself, Kyle Walker with that 
kind of rather ill-advised tweet earlier, you know, about, uh, you know, the Harry Maguire one, uh, about Liverpool saying, oh, you know, they only thought they were going to go one, uh, seven points clear. So obviously they're watching the game. City, City players are watching our game. They're, <clears throat> they're tweeting about our results. They're trying to get a dig in. He's been forced to delete that tweet. You know, so obviously, you know, then there's a tweet of Mo Salah laughing back at him, deleting the tweet, and, and all kinds of all kinds of things going on there. So the players are well aware. And he, <laughs> do you know what's funny about that? Kyle Walker thinks he's being smart, and I just do you know what's going to happen? Pep's going to call the lot of them into the room and go, "What the fuck are you fuck doing? Did you do We're that? Fucking five <laughs> points behind now instead of four because of fucking this and that and the other, and any." Any type of good feeling that they had from that will be wiped out in fucking two minutes. Oh, I will. I mean, Pep will be Pep will be enraged, and you would be because no matter what, you're you're giving the other team fire, aren't you? You're fueling them. You know, you're goading them. You're winding them up. And there's no need to do it. It doesn't make sense to do it. And uh, and you rightly say, Man said he had a worse result than Liverpool, and I think you're absolutely right, Dave Karen, what you say as well. That bring, sort of ties in with it. We don't need to go off the deep end too much. The fact that we're so, um, or the fact that we are very disappointed and a, and a little anxious about a one-one draw at home with with Leicester in the context of the season is, as you rightly say, nerves and and hope and fear and and you know the possibility, the very real possibility of a first Premier League title ever. So. So yeah, we we shouldn't lose sight of that. We shouldn't lose first, sight. Oh, first Premier League title ever. I was going yeah. to correct you there with eighteen of them, mate. <laughs> and I think see yeah. see well, the other the other thing we, the other yeah. thing we the other thing we shouldn't lose sight of is the absolutely phenomenal number of points that are on the board at this stage this season. That's it. The pace that we that, that's that, that's what's got us that, that's what's got us touchy because we should be a million miles in front. In a way, should we be a million miles in front? No, at the beginning of the season, nobody thought anyone could keep up with City. Everyone thought City are building a dynasty. They're going to. No, but I'm talking with, without the City dominance there, and if, if you know, in, in like when the United were winning the title, if if you'd sixty points at this stage, the, the league's over. Oh, I absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, times have changed, and to be honest. You'd have to say, I mean, you, you 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 could certainly make an argument for saying the only reason we're performing the way we are is because we have to, you know, because Man City performed the way they did last season, and in order to, to beat them, you've got to perform at a higher standard. Yeah. Because Man City win the league last season with 80 points, and on course to do sort of the same, I think we're probably only punching for about 80, 82, 83 ourselves. You know, it's, it's kind of how it works. Um, so anyway... Anyway, I guess we're uh, we're all we're all a little nervous, but in, in general, we're all in in good spirits about this. I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day there because uh, I believe we've gone on certainly over the hour anyway. So, just like to thank you all then for listening. If you have done, uh, thanks a lot for for sticking with us. Um, I've been your host Neil Patterson, and I want to say thank you very much to my guests as well, Jengis uh, Gokker in, in Berlin. Dave Dunning in Belfast and Dave Karen in in uh, wonderful Brazil over there. So um, any any other business, anything to add, or do you want to leave uh, any, any plugs, anything like that? I'm plugging up the five points clear reds. Nice, nice. I like it as well. Yeah, we, we, it should not be forgotten that we we added to our lead this week. How about you, Jengis? Any anything you're uh, you want to plug or your Twitter handle or anything like that? Well. I- I, all I want to say is that 
the only thing I'm hoping for in the upcoming games and until the end of the season, actually, is just fucking proper, decent, like, refereeing, like, guy, a guy who can actually see what's happening in front of him, who wouldn't need any glasses. And I'm actually really, really looking forward to getting VAR finally back next season. Yeah, I think that's a nice point to end with, end on because we we had to put up with a lot of crap last night. And we have done all season long, to be fair. No change there. So yeah, big up the AR. Uh, bring it in, bring it on, and uh, up the Reds. And we'll uh, catch you next next week. <laughs>